You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We're the answers. And welcome to the Elsner. It's a production of Galactic Networks. I'm Gregor Sprague. And I'm Corey Scott. For all info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, go to elsnerds.com. And for other Galactic Network programs, go to gncast.com. On Elsnerds, we tend to say things that could upset your delicate constitution. And also, we might spoil things for you that you haven't seen yet. So be aware, know it going in, or put on your blinders, whatever you're going to do. I'm not here to Are tell you how to live your life. Are these blinders peaky? I, I maybe you know, on a, in a good headwind. <laughs> All right, um, but yeah. So, Corey, how's your week been? Uh, it's been solid for the most part. Uh, I had a really good interaction with our guests on Podcast of Terror yesterday, so I'm excited for people to hear that show. If you don't subscribe, maybe you do. Maybe you do now. Maybe you go over there and you hit the little subscribe button. Maybe you leave some feedback. We like feedback. We like feedback on this show, too. So we're just saying, you dumb assholes, get off my fucking screen. Why am I even on this site? Yeah, that would be nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I saw that because you were talking about your shirt because I had mentioned your shirt in the pre-show today. Corey is wearing a a hello. Hello. My name is a normal person. Yeah, uh, it's normal human. And it's uh, pinky in the brain in, inside my shirt like I'm a robot. And so yes. they're disguised as me, which I just think is awesome. Pinky the brain, mad props. That's that's a great fucking show. That's my childhood right there, yo. <laughs> and um, can we call it two minutes in? Greg makes Corey feel old. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, it, but, it feels like it's my childhood just because it was so long ago, and like <laughs> poor dumb Corey in his twenties had no clue about anything. Um. Yeah, but so in, in response, you you were talking about my shirt on the show, on the podcast of terror from yesterday, which should be on the podcast of terrors YouTube if you want to see the visual. Uh, had everybody tripping out because it's uh it's a weird one. It it was a gift from the wife, and I, I really love it. But if you're interested, honest, you gotta go see the video. Yeah, and I honestly sort of want to link to that just so I can. I might have to be like, hey, Aaron, can I get a link to that? So I can get the shirt too, and people be like, "Wait, what? What's up with your shirt?" I I, I, I can I definitely ask her because I think it was designed by a friend of hers. She's been doing all the art stuff over on Instagram um, under Hag underscore Attack. Uh, if you want to support my wife's stuff, which you should, she's cooler than both of us combined. Yeah. Um, but I think it was a friend of her who's who designed the shirt, and that's why she ordered it specifically. Um, plus, it's a cool fucking shirt. Yes, the, the I could see people. I could make jokes with people like, "Yeah, I see. I told you, I I have to buy sometimes multiple shirts and sew them together." <laughs> <laughs> because that's sort of what it looks like, but it's still it looks cooler than that. Um, but anyways, enough jibber jabbering. Um, it is on to the else nerds, um, else news of the week. How are we going to do this without the jibber or the jabber? Um, I have no idea. Can we get a jigger? Because that's what you use for salt in making margaritas in Margaritaville. Yes, this is true. Um, 
But yeah, the first news story is that Warner Brothers is has set up David Goyer and Justin Rhodes to be the writers for the Green Lantern Corps movie. Um, this is an interesting move. Um, you know, this is the Green Lantern movie, um, the Green Lantern Corps movie, where it's as, as they're building it or building it, um, lethal weapon in space. I, I wonder how many movies are because it's like we've we've got to have two dudes and it's it's a buddy cop type theme i wonder how many things are lethal weapon da 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 like everything uh was die hard in in this situation uh kevin smith for a long time wanted to do mall rats 2 called die hard in a mall because when they did under siege it was supposed to be die hard on a boat and uh, or maybe it was Under Siege too. The other Under Siege was Die Hard on a train, and that yeah. was the way that Hollywood. It's it's a simple shorthand that they do. So yeah, here's here's a movie. It's it's space cops. So it's lethal weapon in space. Ha ha! You get you get the picture right. And it's like, well, I I hope it's as fun as it, Lethal Weapon was. Yeah, it's one that I could see making the most sense. Um, and they are going. Um, Goyer is going to be producing this under his uh, Phantom Four banner, along with uh, Jeff Johns and uh, John Berg from DC. Um, you know, from the DC side of things, you know, doing the executive producings. Um, and it's based on a comic book origin story. That's all the article says. Um, I don't know exactly whose origin it is, but this will feature. Both I Hal thought they Jordan. said that this wasn't an origin story. Maybe I misread that. Um, unless it got miscopied over when B or miswrote over here. Um, but it's based on one of the comic book origin stories from what the article. Oh, based on a comic book origin story. Yeah, that's weird. I yeah. it I I kind of feel in in this regard, and I know that Marvel said that they were gonna stop doing origin stories and then they started doing origin stories again. Um I just I think when you've got something as big as the the Green Lantern Corps and with the Guardians and in space and everything, I think some of the the misses in the first Green Lantern movie with Ryan Reynolds from a few years ago that pretty much killed his career for a while it was because they tried to shove so many things into it and the ring shows up and then he gets flown off to space and has to train and then he comes back to Earth and deals with some fucking space swamp monsters bullshit and a guy with a big head and and it was like it was too much to kind of kind of process to make an enjoyable story and and plus it just looked really dim and not not really visually interesting yeah and i kind of think that if you just jump into it people will get it people understand like guardians of the galaxy didn't do much as far as an origin story it it gets the team together but we see uh, Peter Quill as a kid and then it jumps right to him years later as an adult in space and already established and, and we're just like we're here we understand this now so I don't I don't relish the idea of it being an origin story uh, unless it's an origin of some other tertiary character that we don't know and so like the, the I, two... could, I could sort of see them doing it on because again it's good it's to get it back in here with the article it's going to focus on two of the main character on two of the characters um, Hal Jordan and John Stewart. Um, so it's and not I really, it's, 
I yeah. wish it was Guy Gardner and John Stewart because that screams more lethal weapon to me. But maybe I'm trying to be too on the nose with it. Yeah. Uh, but I also think that there are more interesting characters than Hal is. Yeah. I mean, it's so I know for a fact it's not going to be Hal Hal Jordan's origin because his is pretty simple. Um, Eben Sir crash lands on Earth. Hal Jordan is right there, gets the ring, goes to Oa to train and all that stuff. I mean, that's basics of his origin um, with becoming a Green Lantern. But, I mean... I hope I wonder... it's the origin story of Nort. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I wonder, though, if this could be... Like, do you think it's there could be something with um, doing origin stories for characters that people might not know like for example dr strange I, I a lot of people that i hang out with probably before the movie before the, it was even announced was coming out wouldn't could say oh yeah i know who dr strange is and, well i mean if you think back a lot of people before iron man came out didn't really know who iron man was it wasn't in the the central zeitgeist I mean, there were comic fans that knew and even people who watched the cartoons as kids maybe had some idea but he wasn't a name like batman or superman or spider-man uh even the x-men had had a lot of attention because they'd had a cartoon series in the 90s but iron man was one of those things that was hard to put out there dr strange same thing i always saw dr strange as a support character i didn't see him as a guy who really necessarily needed his own book he worked really well as the head of the defenders you know, when you mix them in with people like the Hulk and the Silver Surfer and whoever, I thought that was that was a cool way to go. Um, with the Green Lantern Corps, I mean, if it's the origin of the core, I don't, I don't really know. Or maybe it's the origin of John Stewart because we did get a movie at least with the origin of Hal, and maybe it's he's training John, um, which would be weird. It would be a nice little role reversal if Hal's like the older one and John's the yeah. younger one. But it seems like if they're going to go that route, it makes more sense to use Kyle. Um, to yeah. have it, I don't know. It really depends on how they want to bring it across to the screen. It, I know that Beat would probably, uh, and I'm I'm a little bit not great with it either, have some things to say about the fact that it's David Goyer. And Goyer seems to be involved in every goddamn thing and in conversations at cons and stuff. He seems to show a general lack of respect for comic book readers and some of the comic source material, although he's written really good comics before. And not everything he's done has been shit, but it's sort of gone over more to the shit side um, over the years. But I admire that when talking about this movie that they even if it's as basic as lethal weapon in space they did define what this is why it's its own story why it stands apart from being one of the multitudes of warner brothers superhero movies at this point because right now we've had man of steel and we have batman v superman now you can say batman v superman was different the Man of Steel, because it was two heroes fighting each other, um, being non-heroic, but whatever. Uh, Suicide Squad had an identity, but I haven't heard anything really pitched about the identities of Wonder Woman, of Aquaman, of The Flash, of Cyborg, who may or may not be getting a movie at this point. They kind of go back and forth on it sometimes. 
all of those things kind of are just, well, you're just going to go see it because of who these characters are. And it's weird because it seems like those other movies are coming up sooner on the docket than this one. But this one, it's, oh, we've got, we got a thought process here. It's like when you hear that the Spider-Man movie coming out is like the John Hughes movie for the Marvel Universe. You know, it's an, it's an identity. It identifies the story and it gives you a feeling of what you're going to get when you go in there. And they may take it to a different direction. They may surprise you. They do that. But at least it, it makes it feel individual. And so I appreciate that they're going with something that feels individual in this. We'll just have to see yeah. how well they do it. I don't recognize the other writer that's teaming up with Goyer, uh, Justin Rhodes. Uh, none of the stuff that he's done, which goes back to a couple shorts in 2005, but it really seems like most of his, his writing stuff started in 2008 on up. I don't recognize it, but maybe he's something going to help bring something new to what Goyer is already doing in the DC Universe stuff. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm really curious to see what this is. I always like like to prefer to go into things. The um, go into things optimistic, you know, hope for the best, and then get the worst, as opposed to oh, it's gonna <laughs> suck. Yeah, or, like, or or you think that it's gonna suck, and you go in there and you're pleasantly surprised when it doesn't suck as bad as you thought it was going to. It, yeah, there's there's something to be said for either way. It it's it's nice to have a film surprise you, um, but you can be walking into a movie and think it's gonna be a great movie, and then still be surprised because it's an even better movie than you planned on, or it doesn't even have to be good necessarily, as just evoke something in you as the the person who's watching it. Good subjective. Good is, is a yeah. hard thing to nail down and, and certainly doesn't match for everybody. Uh, what I liked about the Avengers might not be what somebody else liked about the Avengers. And what I disliked about Batman v Superman may not be what someone else disliked about it. Or maybe they don't dislike it at all. Uh, but if you if you can connect to the viewers in some ways and the, and the viewers that you're trying to, to reach with the story, that's what's important. I, I just... I'm also kind of curious because we know that Ben Affleck has been in the news a lot lately. Like they just keep drilling him about where's your Batman movie? What's going on with your Batman movie? Hey, you can have a Batman movie. Uh, it's not like it's been pushed the shit back like Gambit uh, starring Channing Tatum. But every day there's a new article like here. Ben Affleck said something with Batman in it. Good luck figuring out if it means anything. And I just know that Batman is a movie that they're really they want to happen. You know, it's important to them because it's a fucking Batman, first of all, and it's Ben Affleck both directing it and partially writing in it and starring in it. And so they think it's going to be a big deal. But if he doesn't play with the timeline of what the other movies are doing and he doesn't like quite work in with however they want things to run, I wonder how that's going to affect things like this. We're planning movies out several years what happens when Batman keeps getting pushed back and then they try to move this forward or they try to move this back or they try to put something else on the docket. That's very interesting to me. And it gets complicated. Um, the bigger these movies try to get with how many things are interconnected. Yeah. So that's, that's something else to keep in mind is when green lantern, the, the first one, the original we'll say uh, came out, it didn't have anything else connected to it. So it, it completely stood on its own. It completely failed on its own. And it may have affected films that they were planning on doing 
going ahead and all of a sudden Man of Steel didn't have a Green Lantern movie to connect to, but it didn't really damage a a huge docket of things that had already been announced at that point. Like what happened when, by the time Batman v Superman came out, they were like, and here's the next 10 years of movies from us. And we know that that's already gotten fucked up. So good luck, guys. Yeah. Um. So the next bit of news that we have here is um, two stories that are that are tied together. And it is that um, American Horror Story has already been renewed for a total of three seasons now. Um, you know, it was already, I th- believe, before, and I, I don't watch American Horror Story, so I couldn't tell you which seasons are which, but before the show got renewed um, for season seven, they're like, eh, guess what? We'll also renew it for eight and seasons eight and nine as well. Um, and for those, because I only know really what this article told me um, about the show. I mean, I haven't really watched it. It's never really seemed like it was something that was, you know, that would interest me. But I respect, you know, companies who have, who, who have the balls to be like, yeah, we're going to bank on this for another, you know, two or three, you know, three, four years into the future. What? Worked great for anger management with Charlie Sheen, didn't it? Did, but, was that, <laughs> but see, that one was, it seemed like different because it's like, oh yeah, it had mild success. But I think they saw that it was mild enough to where it's like, let's milk, uh, excuse me, let's milk this for money by, you know, by we're going to do a hundred episodes. Yeah. And, and no. honestly, that was a smart thing that they did. Um, quality of the show aside is that it made it so that it was automatically going to get syndication and it has been because it things fucking all the time it's on. Uh, and you know, it was, it was signed at a point in time where everybody was talking about Charlie Sheen, like for good or ill, everybody was paying attention to him. So yeah, why wouldn't we try to jump on this grenade and, and hopefully it blows up where we toss it as opposed to right in our faces but at the end of the day is we're, we're going to make enough money on it and we got him pinned down in the contract to do all the things. So they busted him out quick and then boom, done. Uh, this is a little different. We've been hearing stories about American Horror Story about several things that they've wanted to do coming up. Uh, one of which is a crossover between their Murder House season, which was the very first season, and then the Coven season, which was a few seasons later. They have they reuse actors uh every season not always the same some of them have moved on other things uh some of them stuck around but they reuse the actors but they have them play different parts so you'll see sarah Pauly in all the seasons but not playing the same character uh they did bring back her character from murder house to the most recent season i think and so to have the crossover this is something that uh, matt and i talked about on our our horror theme show is what happens when you have a character who has appeared in one season, possibly meeting the character they played another season. I mean, it becomes like Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, where you've got three versions of Ben Affleck in the film, um, <laughs> which is which is absolutely fine, you know, but it's like, does it deny plausibility? Does it take you out of the story? I mean, American Horror Story is weird anyways. It, it's from uh, Ryan Murphy, who did Glee, did Nip Tuck, does not really seem to care as much about things making sense. 
uh, Scream Queens is one that's like every episode they're just like different personalities. That Glee was Glee was the same way. Uh, it's like it. They don't have to act like themselves this episode. It's just important that we tell the story in the way that we get to use these Britney Spears songs. Um, but it, at least they, you know, that they have been thinking about this. They've been plotting stories for these other seasons for a while. So yeah, if you if you've got all this stuff set up and it continues to get the numbers, um, then why wouldn't you just go ahead and? hit the next couple of seasons, especially if you can tie the actors down who are getting good recognition uh, for their work here and for their work and other things. Uh, Sarah Polly was in uh, with Cuba Gooding Jr. was in the uh, the OJ story that was also for Ryan Murphy Studios, the American crime story. Um, yeah, um, American crime story, the people versus OJ Simpson. Yeah, I, I mean, and that got a lot of good recognition. I, it's maybe that that should have had more attention for following seasons than this did, but it's still new and this has proven itself for a while. So you got some crossover potential between the two series anyways, uh, by stealing the actors from here to there and vice versa. Yeah. I get um, it. I, I think it's cool. No. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, and it, it made sense with, you know, with the other times we've seen um, shows announce for years in advance that, the show is going to be renewed. Like they did it with big bang theory. I think they've done it with the Simpsons a couple times. Um, and it, you know, it makes sense because it's like, as, as you know, because with, with how it sounds like here um, with season six of American horror story, there was found footage stuff involved with their um, season seven. It sounds like it's not going to be as secretive as season six was. Um, and then one of the things I heard, but like you said, was the, the murder house and coven things like that um coming together and it's like as long as they have ideas and they're willing you know and ryan murphy is willing to um the other one i heard is that there's one uh, i think like season nine might be all written by one guy like, yeah it's like he has an idea for something and she's like all right write it out and all that but it's like and as it, long as they have ideas and FX or Fox and FX deems it's good enough, they'll keep renewing that show. And and the other part is when you renew for multiple seasons, you don't have to renegotiate the contracts for the actors for a little while. So as their price tags will continue to go up, and that's especially true of a show like The Big Bang Theory, where it's the number one comedy on TV. Um, it it makes sense to like, well, let's nail them down for the next three seasons. Because uh, we're pretty sure we can keep our ratings up through those three. And uh, then they don't come back to us and say, well, we've been making a million an episode, but let's let's talk about two million an episode yeah. uh, or suck it. Well, uh, maybe we do a baby Sheldon show. Maybe you're fucking stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I think they might be. Yeah. Um, Although yeah, if, it's, it's, if it's a show starring Laurie Metcalf as his mom the whole time, then uh, I can't say too much bad about that because she's pretty fucking cool yeah um the other part the other new story that's tied in with this with the you know renewals is portlandia got renewed for an eighth season and it will be the last season of portlandia um portlandia premiered what two weeks ago um and still it's still going strong it's still you know one of my favorite shows you know out there and uh, excuse me. Um, you know, reading the article, the article I got 
is not with the one that we're showing we're linking here with um from variety but with how it read during the uh was it the uh, television critics association winter press tour in pasadena it sounded a lot like a wwe uh wrestling retirement thing um because uh carrie brownstein had said in there you know that you know she thinks nothing really ends anyway and you know like yeah yeah it's we're going to be done with this but it sounded like but if the fans chant really loud we might come back for one more match uh, which really. which they they probably will and yeah. and i know that they were before the season started they were planning a lot of the the scenes from it or certain cuts from it they were doing online um, before it was even available on TV. And it, it may just be a matter of, we know Fred Armisen is uh, doing stuff. He was on Seth Meyers' show. He was the, the band leader for that. They both have projects, uh, musically, acting-wise, probably writing. Um, Fred was doing the uh, the show with Bill Hader. Uh, documentary, the, uh, now. documentary Now. Yeah, uh, that's so- still going... You know, I think that got renewed for another season. Um, yeah, so, so yeah. creatively, you want to you want to go where your creativity is taking you. And it sounds like nobody's bored with it or anything. Uh, they still enjoy doing it, but it's nice to go out while you enjoy doing something as opposed to, oh, I've been burnt out on this thing for three years. Yeah. I can't believe we're it, finally getting to pull the fucking plug. Yeah, it, it does make sense because if you go by what you said alone, all of them are doing something else. Carrie yeah. Brownstein not only has uh, Sleater Kinney, which they did say in the article that they're working on a live album. Um, but she's also in Transparent. Um, Jonathan, oh, right Kressel, uh, Jonathan Kressel, the, one of the, co- the co-creator and uh, director of a lot of the episodes, he is working on, um, he's an executive producer of Man Seeking Woman on FXX. And I believe he does, he's involved with a few other shows as well. Um, and then we already mentioned Fred Armisen with Documentary Now, and it seems like he appears on, you know, whenever they need, you know, an actor, you know, a, a, a great comedic actor. It's like, oh, hey, Fred, Fred will come in. Hello. You know, and, you know, because he's usually playing someone foreign too or something like that. And it's just, so I mean, they're all keeping themselves busy. And I don't, I don't, I don't watch the show. I can't say how big of a party plays in it, but Kyle McLaughlin is motherfucking yeah. Dale Cooper over on Twin Peaks this Kyle year. Kyle McLaughlin is the mayor right. of Portland, and <laughs> and it is so freaking. He he had bigger bigger roles in uh, previous seasons. Um, honestly, this is one of those I I recommend this a lot. Um, you can't go wrong because one, they're short seasons; they're only ten half hour episodes per season. Um, but I, this is one I cannot recommend enough on Netflix. I just it's, want to point out Beatmaster is saying Mwadib. Uh, <laughs> my name is also a killing word, but it just mostly makes you poo. Uh, and and so also with the big kind of production of what Portlandia is, it's hard to get those things lining all those people up at the same time to yeah. to go and then kind of take over this town and, and do all the little areas and stuff that they, they do for it. And and if you think about a show like Always Sunny, Always Sunny has big spans of time in between seasons. And and we've gotten used to it. We've been used to it since the beginning. It was never on like a regular schedule. It was just like, oh, hey, suddenly there's a new season of Always Sunny out of nowhere. 
and you get super excited about it. Um, but the pressure is probably on for most other shows and probably like this one where everyone's coming up to you and saying, when are we going to see more Portlandia? You know, you guys have been off the air for a couple months. It's just shorts. You should be able to get those out, right? You know, you should get that done. And, and when you say, okay, we're stopping the show, then you get to have the breather and you come back if, and when you want to come back. Yeah. Uh, which for sketch comedy like this, I think makes, make things, it makes things more interesting and, and feel a little less stressful. Yeah, and I mean, this is one of the shows that, I mean, have had big names come in to do bit parts or to do recurring parts. Um, like, uh, Steve Buscemi has appeared in multiple episodes. Um, Jim Gaffigan has been on multiple episodes. They had, when the show started, the assistant to the mayor was the actual mayor of Portland. <laughs> um, who, and... Just to make it sound like it couldn't be more Portland enough, he he has while he was the mayor, he also had side gigs as a club DJ. <laughs> I mean, it's like you dive into some of the stuff about the show, and it's like this show is great, and it is one of those like where I you know I do I am I sad that it's going? Yes. Do I want more? Yes, but I want it on their time because the other part to to that is. They 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 had like this small time frame to film, and that was you know usually in the summer, um where, you know the weather is a little bit more controllable. I mean that's why we only had you know one episode called Winter in Portlandia, and, you know that's it, but it's still it's so much fun and yeah they're all busy so it's like, I mean they, they all have other things that they're doing. And good news to everybody is you get them for another season so yeah rock on. But yeah, well, that is it for the Else News, and we will be right back. If you like what you've heard on this Galactic Network podcast, please consider helping us out financially by going to gncast.com support. On that page, you'll find links to our Patreon campaign where you can make a small recurring monthly pledge of as little as $1. Or click on our Amazon affiliate link, make a purchase, and we get a very small percentage from the sale. Again, go to gncast.com slash support. And thank you for supporting the Galactic Network podcast. And we are back and it is time for the Else Views. This is the section where we talk about the comic books we are re- we have been reading, um, the TV shows we might have been watching, movies we've been watching, you know, basically anything that we want to talk about. Um, I've, got, I've got a couple comic books. I'm going to split these up to either give Corey time to think of something that he wants to talk about or I didn't, I didn't get to view much this week. Uh, I, I'm just going to admit it. it. It was, it was kind of nice to have a breather. Uh, I've got a lot of stuff building up on the DVR that I haven't even looked at that I'm mummed about, but yeah. yeah, I just, I need to let the brain kind of just sit and fart and stew in its own juices for a little bit. So <laughs> you take it. Yeah. So um I will also point out um and add a thing of I am almost I am caught up you know with all the comics that I'm reading right now are are from this past Wednesday of releases. Uh the second one I'll be talking about is one that came out this past week. Um but both of these are actually picks that I've had over the past 2 weeks for uh, Galactic Radio's pull list. Um haha, cheap plug. Um 
And the first one I'm going to talk about is The Unstoppable Wasp. This is from Marvel Comics. This is written by Jeremy Whitley with uh, the art by Elsa uh, Charitier. And this is this is Hank Pym's daughter, biological daughter from his first marriage, um, who he did not know about, um, that was raised in the same environment as Black Widow, but quickly had developed her father's um, love for science. So she got sent to... Um, I think it was called the science room or something like that. They gave a name where I'm like, really? That's the name. All right, whatever. But um, you, you that that's her backstory. You know, she eventually leaves it. Um, you know, after they've told her, give us your father or build us your father's technology. You know, do do the pin particles. You know, discover all those and, and things. And she did. And she's like, peace out. I'm going to find my dad. And you know, makes it to America and realizes um, daddy isn't here and all that stuff. But this issue, it's very funny. There's a lot of humor in this issue. And that's the one thing that I, I've really been enjoying with the Marvel comics with some of the, I'll call it the online. So, you know, like you got like unstoppable wasp, un, unbeatable squirrel girl, um, unbelievable Gwenpool, you know, there's humor in there, um, with how they're, with how they've been doing these, these things. Um, if they're smart, they'll, they'll do an advertising campaign with seven up because it used to be the Uncola. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, but you got in this book, you have, um, guest appearances by Ms. Marvel and Mockingbird. And, towards the end it got to like like it's weird because you know not to take anything away from jeremy but um with how it was written towards the end i'm like did a girl write this because it had that very strong feminist so the the caveman side of my brain went oh a girl must have wrote this i'm like oh wait no this is a guy yeah, is, Jeremy Whitley is a pretty strong feminist voice uh, yeah. coming to you from a from a male perspective. Uh, he's the creator of Princeless, uh, which has been a very good book. A friend of mine actually uh, is one of the artists on the book, and he has kind of tried to bring a lot of that mentality. One of the things is that he's in a uh, an interracial marriage, and he's got a child of mixed race, so he wants to make characters um not just a mixed race but characters that his daughter can read in comics you know that's yeah. important to him uh i i follow him on facebook he's a really good guy he's really smart and and the way that he views comics matches up with with my thoughts a lot of the time as well yeah um and he's been really excited about this book no yeah it's because it's really cool because they go through um and to give a brief overview of the whole issue um Nadia Pym, um, the main character here, is uh, is hanging out with uh, Captain Mar or with uh, Ms. Marvel, and finds Mockingbird um, fighting this giant robot. And you see these um, Nadia's fun facts all in in on one of the pages with all the different parts of the robot, like the joints, like how the el how the elbow moves in like an R 
it's like an R bracket or whatever it is and and all this stuff and it's like all right we're sort of describing the human body here with how these brackets are go- are, are going and stuff and it's really cool they end up there's a scene where where nadia goes in a, a scene there's a part in there where nadia goes into the robot takes over it throws it into herself where she's basically controlling it by moving herself like she's like Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself with it. No, like one of the Pacific Rim robots. Yeah, yeah, like like she like it's a Jaeger or she's a Jaeger with the the robots. Um but she realizes who's in there and I think the overarching the story arc for this at least first bit is going to be her gathering um what I think they call it the agents of girl. Um and it's like girls in um oh, I forgot what the R and the L is. But it's basically like in the Marvel Universe, all the really smart women, whether they be villains or good guys, and get them together. Yeah, so there's something that's been changing in the Marvel Universe of late. And and it was, a, I think it's a conversation in this book. And it also stems out from other things like uh, Moon Girl and yep. Devil Dinosaur, where Moon Girl is now perceived to be the smartest, the most intelligent character in the marvel universe um and and they make mention of there being a list at one point of the the top minds in the in the world and they were people like you know iron man and mr fantastic and 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 all dudes and it was bopping around in in shield and mockingbird's like yeah i always kind of thought that was sort of bullshit because Okay, here's a list. It's all guys on it, and it was made by guys. And who's 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 checking the math on this? So uh, they're looking at, you know, why are these people perceived to be the most intelligent? Now, I'm not a big fan of like listing and having the people have ranks of, uh, like, world's greatest detective is something you used to put on Batman. Yeah, and and I I get that, but they had Batman crossover with Sherlock Holmes. He wasn't the world's greatest detective in that. When I was a kid, there was an episode of the Thundercats where they ran into King Arthur and Merlin and all that stuff, and the Sword of Omens fought Excalibur, and Excalibur won, uh, which is, like, cool, because, you know, we shouldn't just automatically assume because of the Thundercats show that they're going to win at everything. That said, it does make sense that if there is some list like that there's going to be women on it uh there have always been scientific women characters in marvel universe even going all the way back yes they started out being the subservient wife characters uh if you look at the invisible woman uh if you look at the original wasp i mean they were wives the other scientists and stuff like that but they still were scientists and it got as the universe got more intelligent because time got better and we started realizing, wow, this is some sexist pieces of shit. Um, <laughs> they, they became more predominant. And then you see people like uh, Valeria, the daughter of Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Woman, who's easily smarter than almost every. She's tricked Doom. You know, she yeah. has completely outthought Doom on time. So she should be on that fucking list. She should have been on there a long time ago. Um, I get it. I get why they're doing it. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's cool. I think it's smart. I think we're trying to make a more inclusive Marvel universe and there are creators that are really pushing that. 
and their other creators are just doing the things like they've done for years and there's no reason not have both there's yeah this is this is where when i was because i thought about this on friday and saturday when i read the book when i read the issue and i'm like all right i want to talk about this oh wait we just had this i just triggered Corey on this whole rant about marvel for a good two-thirds of last of the last episode should i mention this and i'm like wait yeah because this is sort of what you're getting at with there's the you know sort of the mainstream marvel where it's you know a lot of the same guys writing the same stuff but then they get for the for the right character for the right story that they're wanting to tell they're getting you know great writers to write these stories you know like, well, like yeah but also it my problem with Marvel, it, it in the context of of me ranting last week, uh, was not the creators. I mean, yes, to a certain degree, Bendis doing events is stupid because Bendis never does a good event. It, I'm sorry, it's not where his strength is. You you put Bendis on Ultimate Spider-Man, you put him on Miles Morales, he does great. You give him an individual character to follow, uh, he's excellent at that. If you put him in his own create her own stuff that he's done over the years it probably won't come out anytime soon but when it does <laughs> it's really good stuff but the event mentality the pricing mentality the back issue digital mentality all that stuff that's where i have the biggest yeah. issue with marvel but i i want to point out that the marvel that we're seeing these days is very much trying to get more diverse characters out there. Mm -hmm. Now you can argue it's like, well, is the best way to make a diverse character having someone of color or someone of a different gender taking over the role of a pre-existing hero? Maybe not. You know, maybe having Captain America be replaced by Sam Wilson, maybe that's not the right way to go. Maybe having um, Ms. Marvel be replaced by Kamala Khan. Maybe that's not right. I'll, although I think it's worked great in that regard. Yeah. Uh, female Thor. Any of these things. Yeah, it, it's... People want to see their classics, especially when their classics are up on the screen and you're trying to get people from the movies maybe into the stores to read these comics. And then they go, I don't recognize any of these dicks. Um, well, first of all, maybe there being too many dicks is part of the problem. But I, I love that Marvel's trying something new. I love that they've put out a line and... There's a good five or six titles at Marvel that I can think of just off the top of my head that have existed over the last couple of years that look like they came straight out of Boom Studios. Mm -hmm. And Boom Studios is a very inclusive, very diverse uh, line of books. And so to see Marvel being the mainstream company, being the most successful comics company, peace up, DC, I love you. I, wa I want it to be you. Um, seeing Marvel do that when they don't have to, is a big deal, yeah. you know, and seeing Marvel bring in creators uh, like Jeremy and and all of these people who are bringing this new stuff to it is a big deal. And I and I get that and I value that, you know, whether or not I'm reading the books because I'm not reading comics right now. Yeah. I still see so much value in the fact that they're doing that. And it's a journey. It's not something that's going to happen overnight because we've had 70 years of Marvel comics as they were. The expectations are pretty ingrained to a lot of people. But for the next 10 years, you know, when some kid who doesn't want to see the big hulking muscly dude 
and wants to see a female character they can identify with or a kid who actually acts like a kid or a person of color in a book so that they feel like they can connect to this artwork the same way that I got to when I was a kid, they're yeah. going to get the chance to do that. And I think that's amazing. No, yeah, and that's that's sort of what I, I always have to try to tell people in the kindest way that I can. For a lot of you, for a lot of the people you've had, you know, if, if you've been a fan of Captain America, you've had 75 years of Steve Rogers being Captain America, you know? So to go and say, oh, well, well you know, we're going to bring in, we're going to, we're going to bring in Sam Wilson and have him be Captain America, you know, the guy who was a sidekick, you know, the guy who was Falcon and all that. And, and we're going to do this and, and they hit it in there with the, it, with the book, you know, like everyone's like, you know, hashtag take back the shield. And it's like, what about the little kids? You know, what about the kids like Donald Glover who wanted to be Spider-Man, but Oh wait, Spider-Man white guy. And then, you know, and it takes just little things. And now one of Marvel's top characters is miles Morales, a half black, half Latino, Spider-Man who is an amazing character yeah because they put so much effort into making an amazing character yeah but the other thing is is too is people like to skip over this in the 90s this happened um it's just in the 90s it was all white dudes replacing other white dudes yeah so I mean Steve had been replaced before by US agent uh and and shortly before Sam took over he was replaced by Bucky uh the Winter Soldier uh Tony was replaced uh, by Rhodey. So not a white guy, but still for a long time, you didn't even know Uh, Thor was replaced by Thunderstrike. Batman was replaced by Azrael. Superman was replaced by four dudes. Uh, (laughs) Wonder Woman was replaced. It's, it's happened before comics are a, a continuous shift and then shift back. Um, yeah. the stories are going to reset. The The only thing I can see is people saying, yeah, but right now I want to read a Tony Stark book or right now I want to read a Bruce Banner book, you know? So why are there not both things? And I, and I get that. I, I don't disagree. And it seems to me that this is a perfect opportunity to like reinvent what the ultimate universe was by having a movie universe series of books. Which they do in a way. They do with the Disney XD stuff. They have those, um, I forget what they call them. It's like the Marvel Universe books. Um, And then they have uh, preludes to, or the journey to, you know, the next Yeah, but those are always iffy. People don't want a direct thing from the movies. They want... But they want something recognizable. And and the Ultimate Universe, for a short time, for too short a time, was really good for that. Yeah. Um, the problem is, is that it came out, and then the movies, it, they either predated the movies and they had changed things, or they didn't line up, or the Marvel Universe got totally fucked by Jeff Loeb at some point. Mm-hmm. And Mark Millar wasn't doing himself any favors either with some of the shit he did with X-Men. I, I, just, I just think that you already published too many fucking comics, Marvel. You already are just saturating the fucking market like crazy. Uh, at least think about what you're putting out. Instead of putting out 10 fucking Inhumans books or Inhuman versus X-Men shit again, 
uh, try to put out books that maybe will attract readers who are being underserved. And you're and you're yeah. doing that with with these things like Unstoppable Wasp and the new uh, Champions book and Unbeatable Squirrel Girl and things like that. You're absolutely you're you're doing some good strides in that. It just seems like there's another couple of things. Um, kids books is another thing I think that is still just way too underserved by all companies. Yeah. Like there's honestly with Marvel, I can only th- I think there's only Spidey. Besides the Disney XD, um, which is probably going to end because the cartoon series is going to end and a new one's going to boot up. Yeah, but I don't know. Um, but honestly, you know, Unstoppable Wasp, pick it, uh, check it out. We we will have links to it in our in our show notes. Um, the second book that I picked up is from Image Comics. Um, and there is a tie-in with the old discussion in the new because this one has a quote by Brian Michael Bendis. Um, B, can you do me a favor? Can you, you remove the picture on the screen so I can read the quote behind the picture? Because um, I... Um, but it's this is God Country number one. This is written by Donnie Cates with art by Jeff Shaw, Jason Wordy, and John J. Hill. Um and the quote from Brian Michael Bendis is so much fun to watch creators find the ne- that next level. Go, Kate's go. Um, but yeah, so this is you follow um, this first issue is like one act in a TV show. It is that quick. You fo- you meet you don't even meet Emmett Quinlan, the guy who is in here with the description. You meet his son who's taking care of his father um or you know helping out his fa- his father who has alzheimer's um and dementia you know those you know those brain diseases and stuff that and he's trying to reason with both his wife and they have they have a, a young daughter right there and the police officer to not put his dad in in hospice you know, in, you know, in, in uh, senior living. Um, and a lot of it is an, a failing argument um, because everyone's like, he's sick. You, you can't help him, you know, get him to, you know, get him to people who can actually help him. I'm um, sort of deal. And he's like, no, it's not what my dad would want. Not what my dad would want. And all, that. all the time there is a, it's starting to rain heavier and heavier until finally boom, big storm as, um his his wife and daughter leave because um dad comes down the stairs and yells at the intruders who is his you know daughter-in-law and granddaughter you know scaring his granddaughter this is Emmett I'm talking about now um and so they leave and then boom big storm and there's something that's going to fall and crush everyone and Emmett Quinlan comes through with this monster, like I'm talking anime level size here, sword and just slices, saving everyone. Um, that is the end of the first issue. That is the basics of what happened. Um, that the and I I love I love this story. I love the concept because it's you you see at the end. He has his. He gets his faculties back because of this magical sword. You also see what what's coming for its sword, 
and you're like, oh, shit's going to hit the fan. But this seems really cool, like a really cool story. Um, one that I recommended it this week just because it, it was a number one. Um, number ones at Image Comics are easy to recommend, um, especially from Image because it's with some of the other ones, it's like, okay, you have to come in at a story arc and even then you sort of have to understand what happened in the past, you know, to get caught up and stuff like that. And I'm like, God country, this, here we go. Boom. Um, I will tell you right now for a little sneak peek of next or this next episode of Galactic Radio's poll list, there's going to be a new number one from Image Comics that I will be recommending. Partially because it's number one, but mainly because it's written by Charles Sewell and I love Charles Sewell's work. Um, but yeah, God Country, um, you know, the art in here is amazing. I didn't realize it was three separate people. You know, I even saw that it was, you know, done all drawn by the other people, but it, the style, usually when you see that it's in like a book, like, um, a book trying to catch up. Yeah. A book trying to catch up or like, you can say um, Bendis book. You can say a Bendis event book. (laughs) Um, uh, Gotham Academy, the, towards the end, they did the yearbook story arc where it was a bunch of different stories and you know and, and some of them were, were written by other people as well but you know you could you can tell you know when there's you know different artists because you can tell you know you know chip zadarsky's style from veronica fishes from from fiona staples from you know babs tars you know you could tell all their styles apart where this it was like all seamless and i'm like there were three artists here are you sure it's not artist penciler like you know penciler inker you know color artist right yeah yeah letterer stuff no these are all they're all just doing the art okay they're great you know that communication you know getting it all to gel in there you know getting the same style was awesome um and yeah beat beat does put up so put out something that he he worries that some writers uh try too hard to get a movie adaptation and forget the strengths of the medium um you know like some game developers i could see that but it's one of these like the story was still there it was just the setup of this was the fact that you were setting up emmett quinlan is damaged not in the you know psychopathic damaged but in the his brain is gone his memories are gone he does not realize he is yelling at his son at probably one of his best friends with the police officer you know and his granddaughter He's just, you know, he's still remembering in the past with his wife and who's not there. Um, it's uh, alluded that she's dead. And, you know, he's just doing it because it's what he remembers. It's the only thing he remembers now. And it's such a strong book. I really enjoyed it. Premise-wise, it sounds, I mean, it. I'm sure execution, it, it's very different, but it sounds similar to what I remember of the first issue of Mark Miller's Starlight that was from Image yeah. Comics uh, probably about two years ago now. Um, but that's that's okay because it, it's yeah. all on how you you do it. Can I also just say just real fast, um, I know Beat had put the the page for the where you can get the comic on Image Comics site up. Uh, I love Image Comics because when you look at their page, where it says buy digital, which is right underneath the cover of the book, uh, directly underneath that is find a local comic shop. Yes. So it, it's giving you the opportunity. It's not just giving you, okay, you're here on the site, so you're going to buy it digitally. It's, 
here's your choice and what you should do as one of your choices is decide if you want to get it digitally, you can get it from us or you can go to your local comic shop and get it that way. I think that's fantastic. I really love that they still support the retailers and they, they make it important. Um, even just going directly to where they've got their site online. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things like with to, you know, compare myself to image comics for a little bit here. You're going to say that at the end of every uh, pull list that you say, yep. uh, remember to support your local comic shop. I know that. And I love yep. that. I'm very proud of you every time I hear it. Every time it's because it's one of those things like, yes, I, you know, where I, you know, and I will admit it, I don't pay for a lot of the comics. I did start, uh, you know, changing things up a little bit. Thanks to Hoopla, thanks to my local library and that they offer up the new Archieverse uh, books are right there in the Hoopla app. So it's like, I don't have to pirate those. Yay. <laughs> um, but, you know, when my comic book store, you know, my, my local comic book store that I really lo- really like, Nostalgia Inc., they have, um, besides giving them cheap pops on my podcast that, you know, people listen to, um, when they do free comic book day, I'm there. When they're doing events, I try to help out with all the stuff that I can. You know, when I do get the extra money, it's like, all right, what comic book should I go get? And I will go and buy the comic book. And there was a while when I worked at my last job where I was talking with the owner. And, you know, we're just we're just bullshitting about comic books. And I'm like, yeah, I'm telling him what I'm reading. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to check that out and all that stuff. And, you know, and it's a cool thing to have, you know, is a local comic book shop. So it's where I always encourage people at the end of galactic uh, galactic radio's pull list to go support your local comic book stores you know because these are local these are people you more likely you probably know that are trying to make a living and they're trying to make a living by do, by selling things that you would buy in anyways so that unless Corey, you have anything you want to add nope nope I think you right. nailed it that is it for the Elsa Views. We will be right back. The Sci-Fi Survival Guide is a podcast like you've never heard before. It is part of the Galactic Netcasts, but that is where the similarities end. It's a sort of audio feast a theatre of the mind you can find out more by going to www.gncasts.com slash survive maybe you will find out how to survive a nuclear explosion or maybe when the hordes of zombies come knocking at your door Each month, we will take a popular science fiction scenario and I will tell you how to survive. Be prepared at gncasts.com slash survive. And we are back, and it is time for Else Words. This is the discussion point, the main topic of the show. And um, I'm going to say one thing off real quick. 
Corey nailed it last week with the whole Marvel Comics thing. I'm just mentioning this, but with our last discussion point where it was, you know, Marvel Comics doing the new digital thing, I don't even think it was an hour. I think we quit the thing and then, like, we quit we quit broadcast and then Beats like, hey, here. And there was already a petition for the old the old way. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And of course, every problem gets solved with an online petition. Uh, just, yeah. it, it, if you really want to fight it, just don't buy Marvel Comics. Don't buy exactly. Marvel Comics uh, because that they're not giving you enough for your investment uh, in the now we've raised the price based off of having digital code. But now the digital code isn't what we promised you originally. So that that's how you affect them. Online petitions are unfortunately they're they don't do anything yeah but the sorry i have a sneeze coming on and it's like like not wanting to come out yet but so what our main discussion topic is um lucasfilm's official statement on using cgi to add curry fisher into future star wars films um now this um you know this is all stemming from these the sudden tragic loss of curry fisher and there and there was that that question of you know, yes, it was announced that she was that she had finished filming everything for episode eight. But what about after that? You know, there were talks, there were speculations on, well, isn't there going to be something with like her interacting with Kylo Ren and, you know, all these other things? At, and it does state in her contract that George, that Lucasfilm owns her likeness. You know, they can, they could, if they wanted to, digitally impose her in the into future pro- properties. Um, but it looks like they're not going to do that. Yeah, and I, I have to say, I'm grateful. Uh, now, so just recently, Ed is in, still in theaters right now, and probably still doing pretty well, we got... Star Wars, a Star Wars story with uh, Rogue One. Yep. And uh, some spoilers for Rogue One, if you are one of the people who haven't seen it yet. Uh, they utilize a CGI version of Princess Leia. They had a stand-in. They superimposed her face. Uh, and a lot of people were not very impressed with the Princess Leia. At the same time, there's also another character that's used quite a bit more in the movie that had passed away before filming uh, quite a ways. But they made him a important character to the film. Now, because we're dealing with a prequel to what was the original Star Wars uh, with A, a New Hope. Um, yeah, he, he may have been important. It may have been important to have this character in there. It just never sat right with me. Now, one is, unlike a lot of people, I saw him every time on the screen, I saw this guy, uh, a guy in quotes, uh, it took me out of the movie because while it looked very, very good and very, very realistic, it didn't look real, especially when you have him standing next to real people. And this is in a movie where there's a bunch of aliens that are CGI'd in, although I've argued before that part of the reason why I don't like the prequels or the redone versions of the original films is because of all the CGI stuff and what I think that they succeeded in with episode seven was using a lot more um 
makeup effects and and real effects as opposed to just digitally creating things there was some of it but it uses it in conjunction so that things do get to have a weight to them and do feel real and they use an actor to walk around as um as grand moff tarkin in rogue one but every time i saw his face like his eyes didn't look right you look into his mouth and it just looked like you were looking at blackness as opposed to what you'd see if you were actually looking at a human being's mouth uh, talking on the screen. He was very stiff. It was just, it didn't seem natural. The other thing is with a, with a movie like Fast and the Furious 7 where Paul Walker died during filming uh, or if you want to go back to The Queen of the Damned where the the singer uh, passed away during filming the film, or Brandon Lee and the Crow, those things they're already invested in this movie. They've they've done most of the filming, and there are things that they need the actor for. Then that they like, we have to do something. Otherwise, we have to reshoot this entire film with a completely different thing, and we want to leave this intact as much as we can because not only because it's our movie, but because it's the last piece of work from this person. You know, we want we want to respect what they did and to then go and reshoot the whole thing now without that person and someone else in their place kind of sucks because everyone's going to be looking for that footage. Everybody's going to be looking like, well, what happened with all the stuff that you did with Brandon Lee? Why can't we see that? In that regard, I don't have an ethical problem, certainly not as much for usage of a digital stand-in. But when you're talking about we're making new movies, the person's already dead. You mentioned owning the likeness of, of Carrie Fisher slash Princess Leia. Like that bothers me. It, it bothers me because it's unnecessary. Now, again, we're talking about in, in movies like Star Wars with the trilogies or in movies like um, Harry Potter where we lost the actor who was playing Dumbledore and they had to replace him with a different actor or in, in all the, the DC films where we have promised films that are going to be the next 10 years out. And what happens when one of those people goes away uh, or passes away suddenly and we have to then, but I don't understand what happened to green lantern who had such an important part in this last film and was leading into this next justice league. Why isn't he here now? I, I get that that's a conundrum, but that's part of the problem with planning movies out so far is because you can't really know what's going to happen. Uh, Star Trek with Anton Yelchin is the series just had the third film come out. He he died right before the movie hit. And now it's a question of, you know, what happens to Chekhov in the Star Trek movies? Do we have Star Trek movies without Chekhov? Uh, do we cast someone else? What What do we do? And I think that's something that has to be looked at from each individual thing. But I just am not into the idea of having Princess Leia wandering around Carrie Fisher when we know that she's dead. And we know that 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 thing up on screen isn't her. And whether or not they have the rights to do it, it would bug me because it's not her doing it. Yeah. And when you have the rights to something like that, it's a question of, but would she approve? Like, yeah. yeah, she she signed the contract and everything, but would she approve of how you used her in this? Or would she say, no, that is something that Leia would never do. Um, and, and I think it, that you, that's you important. Get, you get into a, a couple of uh, things here then of 
you know, if it's a movie that garners award buzz, you know, Oscar buzz and Oscar nominations, um, and you know, let's let's just let's just go down this hypothetical rabbit hole here, and let's say that you know, episode nine, um, you know, they they fully digital, you know, dig, digitally put in uh, Carrie Fisher's you know General Leia in here. And and she gets nominated for best supporting actress or best actress in a in a motion picture, and wins. Who gets the award? Right. It's not her. It wouldn't be her, because she didn't do. She didn't say any of the lines, because she had been dead for two years at that time. And I know this is going to sound stu- sound you know, morbid and a little bit, but I mean it's, it's it's a it's a it's a philosophy question here in a lot of ways. But on the other hand, if 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 the character wins the award and then the effects team gets it because they created the characterization, isn't that also unethical? Because, but they got it by copying yeah. a human being. You know, they got it by copying her mannerisms and her acting and her voice and everything else. You know, they they've made a a false human version of that, and it's it's weird. When I was a kid. There was a movie called Looker. Uh, came out in 1981. Strangely enough, I did not realize this. It was written and directed by Michael Crichton. Now, Michael Crichton, we know, did Jurassic Park, but we also know that he he did Westworld. And Westworld was one of those things of, like, here's fake humans. And uh, the season we watched recently on HBO, while taking it to more extremes and everything... A lot of similar themes. What constitutes a human being? What constitutes too far with an artificial? And in Looker, part of what they do, it's it's a murder mystery, but a, a doctor, a, a plastic surgeon, is hired to change and alter the looks of models and actresses to make them perfect. And the reason that they have to be perfect is so that they can be scanned digitally into a computer system. You know, this is 81. So that the computer system can then make replicas of them. And then they can basically own the actor and the actresses forever and just program to do whatever they want. Uh, It's very sci-fi. It has uh, Albert Finney is the lead and Susan Day uh, is the female lead in it. And Susan Day is like really cute in this. Uh, (laughs) But... Then they murder the actresses. They they start killing the people that they've they've replicated because they don't need them anymore, and then they won't have to keep paying them. So now they own the their likeness in perpetuity, and it just saves them money of like I never have to pay them for commercials that I put them in. I never have to pay them for movies I put them in, and it's it's a huge cost savings for them. And that's the same sort of thing. Like if I'm if I'm somebody working in Hollywood, like we already have feelings about when we send out animation overseas and we put animation companies in the U.S. out of business, uh, we're not paying them enough. And then we send this stuff overseas and we overwork the animators over there and don't pay them enough. And then they don't get the credits for things. Uh, sausage party. But how would we feel when as actors, it's like, okay, I'm standing here and I'm trying to do my job as best I can and I'm being undercut because you have digital fucking um, Ben Affleck over here and it's like shit man I, I can't compete with regular Ben as it is but digital Ben is gonna look great fucking forever 
So what can I do? Uh, Matt Damon getting a little bit dad body over here. I, I just like <laughs> shit. Fuck. Um, so it, it, it leads me to a lot of, of questions. Like, is this something like, are we okay with this? It, it's one thing to have an animated film and the animation has definitely gotten better and better. And that's what I thought when I was watching Rogue One is that the animation reminded me of the cutscenes and things like Diablo and the, the Blizzard stuff, which has always looked so good or Final Fantasy. And when they did Final Fantasy, the movie, uh, it didn't do very well because I think the story was kind of hokey and slow, but it looked incredible. And you could see like, yeah, I want to see movies like this because it gives them so many possibilities, but it's still treated like an animated film. Yeah. But when it's treated like it's a live action film, um, that seems different. And I don't know why, if it's just a hang up that I have, if like I'm just I'm an old I'm 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 45 and I, I'm no. old fashioned on things. No, I, I'm that same way. And I am not an old, um, you know, like the one that did it that with what you're talking about, that did that same thing of it took me out of the movie was Civil War. You know, it was Captain America Civil War with that scene with Tony Stark. And I'm like, why the fuck do they got young, you know, Robert Downey Jr. in here? Looking like he did in Back yeah. to School. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, okay, that's why. But still, it took me out long enough to be like, wait, why is he? No, obviously, I didn't say that because, you know, my pastor was sitting right next to me as we we're watching the movie. So he'd be like, Greg, why did you just swear? Sorry. <laughs> um. I but they'd also just done that with with uh, Ant-Man. Yeah. They had done that with the... With uh, Michael Douglas. Yeah, Michael Douglas's character, who I can't think of, Hank Pym. Um, who we were so just talking like, about earlier. Yeah, but so they're excited, like, oh, we've got this technology, we can use this now. But at least in both those cases, they did it with uh, Anthony Edwards in one of the Hannibal sequels that was a prequel. But yeah, in all of these cases, though, at least the actor is present. The actor is a part of the process. And so again, I have less of a problem with that than I do the idea of we own the likeness. And and remember, I'm, I'm making the statement not based off of what Disney is actually doing. Disney has said that this is something that they're not going to do. They no, yeah, yeah. can. They have the opportunity, uh, but that's right now the plan is to not do this. So big respect to them for choosing that. I'm just saying that in the case of we own the likeness, we can do this. Like, is it right? Is it yeah. and is it going to make for good movies in that case, or is it something that maybe just is like I know the technology is going to keep getting better. It's going to keep getting more exciting. You can see graphics like this on your fucking PlayStation fours at this point. Yeah. Um, it's incredible, but is it right? Yeah. So I'll, I'll I'm actually going to read out the the uh, statement that star Wars released. Um, and this is straight from star Wars websites. Uh, we don't normally respond to fan or press speculation, but there's a rumor circling, circling around uh, circling that we would like to address. We want to assure our fans that Lucasfilm has no plans to digitally recreate Carrie Fisher's performance as princess or general Leia Organa. Carrie Fisher was, is, and always will be a part of the Lucasfilm family. She was our princess, our general, and more importantly, our friend. We are still hurting from her loss. We cherish her memory and legacy as Princess Leia and will always strive to honor everything she gave to Star Wars. Um, that is 
you know, it's big on them for mentioning that. I, I wish it wouldn't have had to have been mentioned. Right. That they had, because, you know, it's like, you know, I don't think, I think that, you know, they've got talented enough writers working for them that they can figure out how to work it to where either Leia's in the background, which yeah, will be, and this is dumb me coming up with ideas, not, you know, or, you know, they, you know, they, they will figure out some way between episode eight and episode nine to write out uh, General Leia. Yeah. And, 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 and another thing is, I mean, remember I, it may be hypocritical, but I've had problems before with the ideas of things like the, the young Han Solo movie. Uh, as excited as I am for things like Donald Glover playing a young Lando, and and I have no opinion about the guy who's playing young Han because I I don't recognize him from anything, uh, but they chose him. I'm sure he'll be the, great in it. Yeah, because the I, only thing you haven't you seen or that he was in you haven't seen. Right, maybe. Um, I I don't even know. I don't even know who the guy is. He but, he was in. Uh, sorry, he was in the uh, the Coen Brothers movie. Oh, one the with, Hail Caesar one. Yeah. Which I'd like to see. I just I have not. But I, I I like I see things and say, okay, why would I really want to see a Han Solo movie that isn't Harrison Ford? But then you get a, an actor like Donald Glover playing Lando, and I'm like, but that's so fucking cool because I'm a Donald Glover fan. Uh, the other rumor that has gone around, and certainly she's pitched herself for it, is uh, Millie Bobby Brown playing a young Princess Leia. And and she's incredible, and she would be great at it. And uh, Evan at the pre-show uh, started talking about the fact that there's this picture online right now, one of those things that's got the kids from Stranger Things done up to look like Star Wars characters. Uh, Dustin being Chewbacca, which is both sad and adorable. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that she would be an amazing young Princess Leia. Again, though, do yeah, and Sarah Lane would be a great Princess Leia too. I, I saw Sarah Lane uh, a post she posted the other day on Twitter, I think, and I was like, holy shit! I just never knew how much she looked like Carrie Fisher. That's pretty incredible. Um, Sidetrack again. <laughs> do I want to see a Princess Leia that isn't Carrie Fisher? No, but I can accept it. To a degree. Why do I have a problem accepting a computer-generated version that is actually really based on the person? So I know that there's there's parts that don't quite sync up in, in my excuses of this is wrong and this isn't wrong. And I don't know why I feel that way. Yeah. But I do inherently feel like it, it's, it's really close to just picking up somebody's dead body and putting marionette strings on them. There was an so- Orville Rodden... Orville Redenbacher commercial a few years ago after Orville passed away. Like first they did an animated one and then they did one that was computer generated. So it looked a lot like him, but was like way more animated than he ever had been in life in the commercial that I'd seen him in and was just so fucking creepy. It was so fucking, it doesn't help that Orville Redenbacher looks like the old dude from Poltergeist too, but it was still bad. And yet I laughed my fucking self crazy at some of the people that they have playing Colonel Sanders sometimes, who again was a real person and, and they're doing sort of a tribute, but sort of like, no, we just need to keep the Colonel Sanders thing alive. And, and so this is what we're doing. 
why is one okay and one isn't? I don't know. I can't tell you. So I so I will I will ask you this. You have two choices for movies from now on. This is how it will be. You get to make the decision, Corey. Do you have digitally recreated so you get, you know, the where they, they scan their likeness in and it is some unknown actor being body body double and then the their face gets remapped in the movie to look like the actor so carrie fisher you know um you know like like the guy from rogue one who was playing grand moff tarkin or do we recast fully recast we get someone maybe who can do an impression of them or you know can get gets the core of the character um which do you have do you recast or do you digitally recreate well i mean there's there's a couple of things to that one is i i grew up watching not a lot of them, but soap operas. And every once in a while on soap operas, they would have the person would be out that day off sick or sometimes they would die and they'd bring in a new person to play them. And one day you're just like, oh, look, here's Robert Scorpio. Why does Robert Scorpio look so weird? Uh, that ain't Robert. <laughs> but they would just and they wouldn't try to find someone who looked just like him. But sometimes they would announce it would say the role of blah, blah, blah is being played today by this person when the scene would start to give you an idea as to why like this other person was sitting in the chair. Also back to the Harry Potter thing. Like I didn't feel so much confusion when Dumbledore changed. Uh, when we had him for two movies and then all of a sudden another guy stepped in to replace him. It was unfortunate. I felt bad, but also it wasn't him. If they had changed Harry in movie four, uh, that probably would have been weird. Yeah. At the same time, these kids were just growing up. So, they change the voices on Peanuts cartoons all the time. But I noticed these things. Like, I noticed when the voice of the guy who plays Jack in the Box changed recently. I'm like, that's not the same Jack. The same mask, same everything else, but that's a different guy doing Jack. I noticed when they changed Ronald McDonald's. I'm the guy who picks these things up. And it, it, it hits a little twinge of like, you're not, you're not Jack. You're not, you're not fucking Ronald McDonald. I know who you are. Oh, well, I don't know who you are. No one knows who you are, but I know that, who you're not. And that's that's the jack in the box that I knew. But they've been doing that for years. They've been doing that for decades, uh, probably since before I was even around to hear jack in the box commercials. Maybe mm -hmm. I don't know. My preference would probably be go with something more natural. I would always go for the the thing that looks the best on the screen and the thing that looks best on the screen is going to be a, an actual human being. On the other hand. I also feel like in a lot of ways, maybe we're too beholden on movies that keep telling a continuing story over years and years when we should be moving on to new ideas and new concepts. And one of the things I liked about Rogue One is that it was a new thing, but it still clicks into that special little center of where Star Wars already was. And I'm more excited for a Star Wars that we haven't seen that isn't about the Skywalker clan and isn't about Han Solo and isn't about Boba Fett. It, it's something else. That's that's what I'm hoping for. And I think that it's, it's impossible to keep making 10, 20, 30 years of movies all with the same subject matter without realizing that somewhere along the way you're going to have accidents like this that happen. I yeah so I mean for me to answer the question I would 
I would err, I would lean more towards the side of recasting. Um, and I use, for example, the movie, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Um, that movie yeah. was Heath, Heath Ledger's last movie. Um, he passed away during the middle of filming it. And they could have done many things. But what Terry Gilliam decided on doing was recasting. And it w- ended up working out brilliantly. I don't know how much of the story they had to re- rewrite, but you had, I believe it was in the main world, it was all Heath Ledger. Or they they had a body double that did great because I it, it seemed to me like that was just Heath Ledger. And then the first time he went in, it was the first or the last time that he went in to the Imaginarium, it was him. But there were three times in between where it was Johnny Depp and Jude Law and Colin, Irish Colin. I can't think of his last name. Firth? Colin Firth? Yeah, Colin Firth. Um, Colin Farrell. The the one who played Bullseye in in the Daredevil movie. Uh, Um, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell, yeah. Um, And they stepped in to play these roles. And you know where yeah it works out that way and they weren't doing Heath Ledger you you know they they weren't doing his character like how he would do his character they were doing it how they would do the character but it worked in that moment so I would always err more on recasting and you know if it if it does hurt the movie where they have to push it back fine um because you know you you get take the time to find someone who understands the character the same way that the original actor did. That's that's how I would lean, how I would go more towards, you know, because I mean, because you you do get, you do get to this point where, the, the characters are gonna you, you're gonna get to this point where all the, all the actors are dead, but yet we still want to tell, stories about you know Luke Han Leia, and, well all the actors are dead. How are we gonna do this? Well, we got their likenesses. Let's digitally redo it. You know, and you know, we'll, we'll chop up all the other audio, and that'll, and you know, and boom, we're done. Yeah, and see, another thing is, I remember there was, I don't remember which one it was. It might have been Revenge of the Pink Panther, but one of the, the, the final Pink Panther movie that had Peter Sellers in it, he had passed away of a heart attack during the filming, and you can see where they kind of had to scramble to finish the film to make it they uh inspector cluso disappears partway through the film and at the end they have him played by uh roger moore doing Mm -hmm. a a pretty okay inspector cluso impersonation um but then they kept trying to make movies of the pink panther without inspector cluso like that had the sun in one they had someone else who like picked up the legacy. It was it was tough because it didn't really work. And I, I think that that's sort of like I get where you you go and say we're trying to finish this movie. We're going to do the best we can with what we have. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it really really does not. And in, in that case, it didn't. So I think you always got to be careful. You got to stay true to the art with the imagination imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. It made I think the movie better. Um, yeah. because it was a tribute both to Heath Ledger as an actor, but it was also 
it was weird enough that it made sense in the context of it's a Car- Terry Gillen movie. It's of course it's going to be fucking <laughs> weird and have different people playing the same character. I think that's awesome. Um, but you just you just got to know you got to yeah. pick your battles on that kind of thing. And man, I I'm really I really appreciate Disney taking the high road on this one just at the same time that they just didn't take the high road by using an animatronic Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One. But it it wasn't like it was what the movie hinged on. It was more like we're doing this because it's good for the story and because it's good for the character and it's because it's kind of good for the actor, I guess, in a way. Maybe his estate gets paid out for that and you know they get a little bit of kickback which is fine. You know, I, yeah. I, I always feel bad for heirs of some of these people who probably should have been taken care of a lot better if deals hadn't been made the wrong way years ago, like Kirby's family and Siegel and Schuster's families and stuff. I just, I don't know. I, I, I really, I'd rather see episode eight and episode nine lean more towards new characters anyways. Yeah. After, after seven, I loved those new characters so much that I, I kind of wanted to see them be the primaries of the stories. But yeah. I get that while you had Carrie Fisher there, why the fuck wouldn't you use her? Mm-hmm. I understand. I, I lean towards this of more questioning why, and sticking with Star Wars, why people would be outraged with um, with digitally recreating a person. Much like you said, when they did it with Grand Moff Tarkin, um, you know, after they passed, when here, if you remember in episode seven, you had clip, audio clips of Alec Guinness in there, you know, and it's like, and, you know, and, and Ewan McGregor and, you know, all these other people who played, you know, Jedis in, in one scene. And yet I don't remember hearing about a bunch of commotion about that. And and maybe that's part of the thing too is the amount of people who saw Rogue One that didn't realize that the guy who played Grand Moff Tarkin was even dead. A lot of people saw it and didn't realize that he wasn't there. You know, and and that's that's respectable. That shows what kind of game that they played is they did a good job. But I don't know. I think using the audio is a little different than trying to present somebody as an actor. That that's like saying, oh, well, fuck you guys. I'm not coming back to do your shitty sequel to my movie because I don't want I don't agree with what you did and stuff. I don't I don't like the character direction you took it or you guys screwed me in my contract or whatever. And them saying, well, we don't fucking need you. Uh, We can just put your face over Vin Diesel's body rock and uh, you can just suck it because we'll do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah, you'll be a foot shorter, but I don't care. Uh, People will still come see it because they'll think you're in it. Uh, wouldn't it be great to see fucking Kevin Hart run around with the rock's face in a movie and just digitally mastered on it. And every time he talks, it's like Kevin Hart just screaming at the screen like he does um, yeah. or like I do. And, and then <laughs> it's the rock's face. <laughs> like that could be a movie in and of itself. I think they would both sign yeah. up for that. Uh, like the new face off. Oh shit. What the fuck? We just came up with a goddamn film right here. It's magic. Yeah. Um, Nick Cage shows up just to show that he still does a play. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll leave. I think it's probably a great time to wrap up. 
Um, and I, I leave by asking you guys this at home. What do you think? What would you rather have? You can have one option, either digitally recreate or recast. Um, now you might be saying to yourself, well, how do I, how do I, you know, answer you guys? I'm yelling at my podcast, my, my phone right now, but you're not hearing me. Well, you can do it by two simple ways. You can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966 or leaving us an email at mail at elsnerds.com. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to gncast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.